Welcome to Ticket to Gamehenge, the podcast that discusses the science behind how to get your friends and family to love our favorite band, Fish, as well as other fish-related topics from the community. You can grab a free chapter of the book at TicketToGameHenge.com. My name is Adam, and joining me as always is my good buddy, Dr. K. All right, here we are back at it once again, uh, July the 13th, 2021. 15 days to go a fortnight plus a day uh i don't get many opportunities to use fortnight in a sentence until that video game came out and i don't even know if that's still really popular but that was like everywhere a few years ago um i don't even know much about it i know it was all the rage with the youth holy cow somebody's doing something upstairs there anyway um how you doing dr k good my kid loves fortnight Ari already plays it all the time he loves it what's so good about it? it it's like it's an open world right you just go in and whatever no it's very much like uh it's so for us it's it would have been like similar to halo and stuff like that mm. uh but it's bigger so the world is big and you can build while you're in the game so you can build like walls and ladders and, and things like that but other than that is very similar to all that stuff mm. You just got me thinking, and it, it wouldn't obviously have a gigantic audience, but I was just thinking about a video game of a cross between kind of like a GTA type of a thing, but it's all about fish. So you're in the fish lot, you're going to different venues, chasing different songs, there's different types of achievements, different things you got to do to sort of uh, navigate the fish world. I'm kind of thinking about, and I don't even know what to call it, but whoever this person is, this user, I really should look them up and give them credit for months. They were teasing little snippets and shots of this gigantic, again, I don't know what to call it, this piece of art. It's got oh. thousands of little characters on it that all tell the story of all the inside stuff about fish that's in there. And they completed it, uh, like my mind blown. So I'm thinking about that, that kind of world where all of that stuff is layered in there and, and really, really unique. But as the player, you navigate that and you discover different things. And maybe you take the wrong thing and have a bad trip at a show. Like, I don't know. There's all kinds of different things that you could explore there for you and I. I don't know if anybody else would like it, but I spent, I, uh, I spent way too much time staring at that poster, by the way. Yeah. I, I, it's not necessarily my kind of art, something that I would choose to display, but I'm totally fascinated by the level of detail, the amount of time and effort, the amount of um, like, what is that type of art called? I've seen that kind of thing before, but do you know what? I don't know. Well, I was just thinking more in principle. I'm like, it's contextual, right? There's different, You, it's a beautiful piece of art. I think it's wonderful. So, yep. but it might not hit the criteria of being put up in your room or in mm-hmm. a house. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, really, really neat. But yeah, I totally zoomed in on that, was checking out all the different things and trying to make all the connections. And... Man, the level of detail is crazy. Oh, oh it's crazy. And um, I'm going to kind of go out of order a little bit. You you probably haven't seen this because it only got posted about an hour ago. Um, I'm going to bring it up in my favorites. So if you go to Reddit and I'll go on the fish page, there was a post that is basically um, a fish iceberg. And it's a level of... Um, I did see it. I did? did see it. I okay. did. I did see it. So it's pretty. It's pretty intense, right? So <clears throat> kind of goes top top down, and we all know about the iceberg theory. There's way more beneath the surface than what you really see. It's true of a lot of things in life, right? People that are great at something make it look easy, and there's obviously different layers and engagement when it comes to obsession with things and fandom and the level of detail that people want to get into. I myself am one of those people that loves to know 
the little nitty gritty trivial details. I just find that stuff fascinating. So when you work, I'll just read through a couple of examples. So stuff that's up at the top and one that stuck out to me that I thought was really funny uh, above the surface is watching a show from the couch is a ton of fucking fun. And I read that and went, it is, <laughs> it totally depends. But uh, obviously it doesn't really compare to the real thing when you're there in person. Um, other things that are on the top, LMAO, the drummer wears a dress. Isn't that something? He plays a vacuum too, LOL. Uh, had such a good time at my first show. Um, her bouncing around the room on Grateful Dead Pandora, you know, things like that. And then you start to go a little bit deeper and you see um, you've watched the entire Heavy Things video from ABC with Peter Jennings on 1231.99, right? Like that's a very obscure, that's not even that deep. Uh, uh, You've oh, got some, some at the bottom. I was like, I have no idea. Oh, yeah. Take care of your shoes. Wait, so Maze and David Bowie sound almost the same? Not really. Maybe yeah. in the beginning. That's about it. Uh, and then you start to go I deeper. That's what he's referencing, right? He's saying that, he, you know, if you can't tell the difference between the, the, the drums that he's using, it, it yeah. sounds like the same song. Yeah. You go a little bit deeper. We talked about it a little while ago. That time, Fishman didn't show up for the first two hours. Uh, been segueing every song into Moby Dick at Deer Creek 2000, but the lasting impact being the last Chalk Dust Torture reprise before for almost two decades. <laughs> and then you go deeper. Page and Trey crying after wading into Glide and Coventry 2004. Uh, Fish fooling several mainstream media outlets by bringing out, well, it says Tom Cruise, New Year's Eve 2002, but in fact, it's Tom Hanks, right? the whole yeah. Wilson bit that they did. Yeah. Um, so somebody actually messed up. The Trey and Justin Bieber connection. Yep. Uh, what else is on here? The first ever Chalk Dust Torture reprise from Santa Monica 121094. Uh, run, OJ, run. He's heading to the airport. Okay. And then the very, very bottom. Where has Paige been? Love that inside joke. Hey, Paige, where you been? Uh, what else? <laughs> Welcoming Mike back to the band, 72703. Okay, I don't know about that. I'm gonna have to go listen to that. The famous Buddy Clay, Buddy Cianci Providence Bowie story from 1229 94. It's uh, so funny when because when I was reading this, I was like, this is this was my this was my train of thought. You're gonna appreciate this. I was reading this and I was like, man, I read like that one. I was like, I have no clue. I go, but I bet you next week when we do the podcast. I'm a know-it-all. <laughs> That's right. Look it up and he's going to either text me or tell me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's probably in here somewhere, but I don't see a reference about Guy Forget. There's a guy I'll never forget. <laughs> Tennis player whose name is Guy Forget. Guy forget. <laughs> Guy Forget. Um, the most, so if we're talking about like unfortunate names, mm -hmm. there, was, uh, there was a Croatian skier. I remember watching the Olympics. There was a Croatian skier. And uh, the guys even paused. He couldn't even say his name. It was so funny. His first name was Yerko. So J-E-R-K-O. So <laughs> Yeah. And his last name, no word of a lie, was F-A-K. Fuck. Yerko fuck. And he was like, here comes Jerko fuck. And then like he like took off like we, we didn't hear the guy's name, right? <laughs> It reminds me of a Russell Peters bit when he talks about meeting somebody from India and their name was Suck Deep. <laughs> right. Yeah, unfortunate names. So you know my name means Russell, to make a sound. Yeah, 
That's right. Oh, what do you call a guy with no arms and no legs who likes to play in the leaves? Russell. What do you call a guy with no arms and no legs who likes to work out? Jim. What do you call a guy with no arms and no legs laying on the floor? Matt. Matt. Um, what do you call a guy with no arms and no legs hanging on the wall? Art. Art. <laughs> yeah. Is that going to be the title of the episode? What do you call a guy with no arms and no legs? The title, the title of the episode is already the fish video game. The fish. Oh, God. Could you imagine? What would you call it? I don't know. I'd rather just do it myself. Yeah. Okay. All right. Realistic. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you sent me um, a thing about you know who you are. Oh, classic, man. And, uh, I think that summed it up really, really well. Oh, brilliant. It was brilliant. That's why I'm like, perfect. This is exactly right. Yeah. But there's an interesting point that we need to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Read, read the headline. Yeah. Let me, let me find it. Cause I, I had thought I had saved it. Let me bring it up again here. Da, 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 da. Hardcore fish fan hates everything band has released since forming. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, obviously there's a lot of fans that love to hate what's going on. So yeah. They still go all the jokes. One of the first comments in that was, um, I think it was like the first one. That's not what I want to do. It's from The Onion. And I, I guess it was an altered post. It was actually really about Weezer, this post. Yes. Like, like the actual headline. But uh, somebody wrote, hmm, change it to since 95, and I have a candidate. Also need to add, still attend shows to this day. Right? Love to hate it. So I don't know. It's uh, There's a lot of that, of course. Um, It'll never why be as good think, as it was. But seriously, though, why do you think? Why do you think that exists? Like, why is it that, you know, people are like, let's talk about broader categories, right? Because you know, you can always find some outliers and everything. But why is it that some people are like, no, no, fish is one and everything after one was no good. Why do I think? Yeah. Without knowing these individuals, I would attribute that to something deeper rooted than. They're probably like that in a lot of other things in their life. There's probably a competitive nature to those individuals that feel possessive about that and didn't, you know, don't don't like others cramming in on their territory. I'll bet in their life they're territorial about certain things that they love and, and are passionate about and critical of others for feeling the same way about things, right? They don't have the ability to sort of understand that. It's, you know, it's almost the same kind of thing that I was, maybe that's a bad connection, but it's just, Standing in the way of somebody else's joy and belittling that when it has nothing to do with you is a mentality that I don't really get. Yeah. Right. Like if I am discovering the band today and I love Sigma Oasis for whatever reason, and it makes me feel great. Who are you to shit on that? Yeah. Right. Or to say that, you know, better or, you know, differently. Okay. Differently perhaps, but the fact that it's better, I don't really, I don't really buy. Um, It's all silly. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, and I wonder if there's a competitiveness to those individuals that feel that they have an edge on somebody or, you know, that's there with them too. So let me play devil's advocate. Cause I agree with everything that you said, but I think there's a flip side of the story there. Would you agree that there's a clear difference between 1.0 new songs and 3.0 new songs? Sure. So you don't think that it would be okay for someone to be like, I don't dig any of the 3.0 songs. I really like my 1.0 fish. Hmm. It's tough for me to say because I can't. I, I mean, because I know who I know. I know who you're. I know who you're talking about. I know people like that. You know. Oh, hey, have you? You know, fish has got a new album. I'm super excited. Ah, it's not. 
okay, asshole, thank you. I understand. You know, thanks for raining on my parade. I really enjoyed something. Thanks for being an asshole about it. But I don't know, man. Like, it's interesting. As, as we're talking, I think I'm comparing my, uh, uh, how I feel about Dave Matthews Band because, you know, I, I was very, very into that. I mean, I mean, I still love the band, but I was way more into them at one point than I am now. And it's generally accepted that their first three albums from 94, 96, and 98, which were mostly songs that they had crafted when they were really coming up and kind of doing together, um, are, are known as their best albums. And they haven't been able to repeat that level of recording success to a degree touring success. They were getting into stadiums and all that kind of stuff in the late 90s, early 2000s. And then, you know, they made decisions to scale back and all that stuff. And how sustainable is it really for a band like that to always do stadiums? But um, the songs that have come out post that era, generally speaking, aren't as good. They don't feel the same way, but there are a ton of elements of the stuff that you love from the first three that are in that music. And then you see them live and they can add a lot more to it. It is different though. And there was a lot of people in those circles that, you know, only like 90s Dave and all that stuff. Well, you could you could take that exactly and you could structure that around fish and say exactly the same thing. Yeah, but my mentality is like, um, I understand that people need to change and to grow and that's all part of it. I wanna see the artist develop and uh, evolve and you know do different things provided that they don't do away with all the stuff that made me love them in the first place I still get that and it does make those older songs a little bit more special there's a little bit more cachet when you hear the Fluffhead or Divided Sky in 2020 2021 versus 93 94 it was pretty much expected every other show every third show you know what I mean so I agree dude I'm on board right like I'm on board with you you know I, I just think it's one of those things where it's easy to it's easy to look at that meme and have a great laugh but i think there's i think there's some validity for some people to it you know like i don't think it's i don't think you're a piece of shit necessarily if you feel that way like i think there's i think you could easily say well this is why and you could probably i think any fan of any band that's endured time you could probably have that argument with hardcore green day fans might feel a certain way hardcore u2 fans but definitely i mean think about when u2 departed and, do, and did a lot of stuff in the early 2000s and late 90s that was like the the discotheque pop and all those types of things. I'm sure now that was a bit of an extreme departure. It's not like Fish has gone 180 and done something completely different, but it's become more arena rock. We've kind of mentioned that before. Um, yeah. you know, but but I think it's all part of it. I think it's, you know, it, it's, it's those songs are resonating with me. I'm in 2012. And so I've had a good like 29 to 2009, 10 and 11, consistently hearing light and uh, uh, Kill Devil Falls and everything from Joy. And it's getting a little bit more spaced out now in 2012 as they're a few, few years from that. And when they play Number Line, I'm singing along and I'm enjoying it, especially after hearing the uh, story uh, in Alive Again about Tom Marshall um, reaching out to Trey on his birthday after drug court and trying to get it going again. And it was Number Line that really kind of got them going again. So I listened to that with a different point of view. So I don't know. I think it's, as I'm talking and I'm rambling a bit, I think it's all about the listener and what's important to them and what they want to seek out. It's amazing that Fish generates that kind of reaction and that kind of opinion and that kind of, you know, that we care so much about these four guys and the musical decisions that they're making that 
we can be so opinionated about it and alienate other fans and all that stuff. It's kind of a crazy world, right? I think um, I think that that alienation happens because when you write a song like Reba, that is so from outer space, but yet so awesome, you know, so yeah. awesome, and it touches so many people in ways that like no other piece of music could ever do at a certain mm-hmm. time in their life. Like that's an unrepeatable event. Mm-hmm. Right. So to come like it's not it's not a fair comparison for that individual to try to compare those two things because they're not equivalent. You're probably never going to experience something like that ever again. Yeah. 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 You're naive to think that you will. And that's why I think, you know, when I think about the power of now and trace philosophy on that, enjoy the fact that it's there. Don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened. And let's look forward to some new exciting things. You know. I agree. We're going to love it regardless. And uh, and who knows? I mean, they're not done. Who knows what kind of songs are going to start writing again or what they're going to get into. But I'm not that optimistic that we're going to hear a lot of that kind of stuff just based on the last 10 years. And when you think about, again, I'll bring it up, the way that Time Turns Elastic was rejected, you know, there there's, there's not a ton of room for those types of songs to integrate with those existing songs. So... Know? I don't know. I, I learned a lot from listening to the podcast. It seems like time turns elastic was the band stopped playing it or they haven't played it more for um, instrumental mm. and playability reasons versus what the crowd thought about it. Which, which, which I think is really authentic fish. Cause as we know, they're going to do what they want. And, you know, right. they, they, they know about the uh, um, Prince Caspian stuff and you know, of course, of course they, or they do. Don't, or they don't and they don't care because it's yeah. it was like, you know, I had all these different guitars and I had to tune it. And then when I brought it to the band, we had to do all these like, like Trey plays. He has, it. I don't know what he's got in the back, but it looks like he only has one guitar and it's standard tuning. He had never changes his tuning. I've never seen him change his tuning. Mm. Right. So to, to perform something like that, I don't know, man, maybe it's more of a technical versus like, oh, the crowd's not into this one. There's lots of songs they play that the crowd's not into, but the boys love them. So they're going to play them. Yeah. And you wonder just about developing those types of songs on the road. They've been able to do it with Mercury. It's not quite the same thing, but it's it's probably the most recent long composition that people are really, really excited about. The song is, what, six years old now. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I'm longing for, for that. I'm longing for any kind of surprise that we're going to get thrown our way. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. You know, it's uh, I'm excited for it. It's all part of it. Yeah. yeah, you kind of you kind of hop back on at like the worst possible time. You get all excited and like live music and all like the part that's the best part about this band on tour, doing things, yeah. bringing people together. You know, conversation points that kind of went away. So I'm happy that's back. Yeah, I'm super excited, and uh, uh, you know, you can tell fans are right. They're posting all kinds of like little things, just ticket stubs arriving, and uh, you yeah. know, talking about after parties that are going on, and you know, who's staying here. Let's have a meetup. It's really cool to see those types of things happening, and the way this community kind of—it's like a unspoken for you know, like a fraternity. Even if you have never met and you go to a show, it's very likely you're going to get along with people and everything's going to be chilled out and have a really, really good time. And it's really neat to see that kind of coming together. Um, I'm curious to read the lot stories and all the stuff that people are going to be posting and sharing and all the shit that's going to go down. It's going to be, ah, man, summer of fun. It's going to be really, really good. Um, 
I wanted to, you know, I'll save this one for next week. Uh, somebody had done a post on uh, favorite ridiculous lyrics from Fish, and there's a lot of comments in there. Yeah. Uh, so we'll go through that. One of mine that I'll preview is, and again, we talked about funny lyrics a long time ago when we're singing the wrong thing. Um, the chorus in Mike's song, I, I, I didn't know they're saying, me no are no nice guy. Did you know that? Me yeah. no are no nice Like, kind of a sense. I don't know. I, I always thought it was... Uh, uh, we don't need no nice guy is what I thought it was. We don't need no, not me, no, Arno. <laughs> me, no, Arno. So I oh, love yeah. that kind of stuff. I think if I had to, I think if I had to, there's lots of silly lyrics, but I think the silliest is the solar garlic starts to rot. I was thinking that the other, the other day when I heard that. The solar garlic starts, that's good old stash. We were watching, we were watching uh, the Mansfield show. Mm-hmm. Rochelle and I in the second set when they bust that one out the one that made it on a live one from 20 okay yeah yeah before yep and she goes she looks over and she goes the solar garlic starts to rot she's like and yet it works perfect yeah yeah there, there's a lot of, I'm Jasmine the family berserker <laughs> love that line like I, I love that I'm line the berserker <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh, there's a lot of really neat ones. I kept reading, just going like and thinking, what would I contribute? What would I say? And they were all all in there. So we'll we'll touch on that maybe next week. Um, chasers, you sent me a thing. You wanted to talk a little bit about chasers, about how lucky we are. And by chasers, I'm assuming you're talking about when fans are chasing a certain song. They're waiting to hear the landlady, or they're waiting yeah. to hear lizards, or whatever that might be. Um, yeah. So somebody that yeah, we should probably reach out to and maybe have them on you know, our podcast is the people that run the, it's called No Simple Road. Okay. And he posted something about, uh, you know, oh, super excited tours back, you know, what song are you chasing? And everyone was just commenting these songs that are like amazing. I'm like, man, yeah. what an awesome time. And what an awesome thing that like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you know, you like, you want to hear this specific song. Like, just think about that in terms of, you know, as opposed to, I'm going to go see and I hate that I always pick on Elton John, but I always do pick on Elton John because I love Elton John. I'm going to go see Elton John on the Farewell Tour. You know what songs you're going to see. Right. You know it's going to be a spectacle and it's going to be amazing, but you know you're going to hear Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and Tiny Dancer and Rocket Man. And you're it's going to hear expect. all of this. It's what you expect. Out right. Of like that, right. And if they don't, you know, it's like when you go to see Journey, you know what they're going to close with. <laughs> it's written on as, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, again, I'm reminded of um, Dave Matthews again, because every tour there was anticipation with, okay, there's a few songs they're going to bring back. They haven't played in a few years. But that excitement would wane after five or six shows because they would either bring it back or they wouldn't. And then for the rest of the tour, you'd get one, two, maybe three surprises. Everybody's chasing a song called Number 40 because it's Dave doesn't remember it. He knows the chords, but the lyrics are different every time. There's always that little bit in there. But it seems to be on a completely different level with Fish. And they purposely bring stuff out for that surprise. You know, like when they went into the last show of the 2019 tour, right, with Ruby Waves and all that stuff. That first set, when you go back and look at what they played that first set, it was by design. that They went to the well and brought out some stuff they haven't played in a long time. So, yeah, I think that's really, really neat. It's really cool that they've been able to do that. I mean, the catalog's, what, three, 400 songs that they could dive in. That's what I was going to say. It has to be, it has to be by design. There's so many songs, you know, that it would be, uh, and some of them are really complex and complicated. It would be, you can't just, you know, hey, we haven't played Fluffhead in, in, in five years. Let's just bust it out. 
Yeah. You're going to forget a section, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, uh, love to see some little video of the rehearsals that they're going through right now and what they're prepping for. Cause you, you gotta believe they're together working right now, really, really hard to get ready for it. Gotta be, it's not going to be like Oysterhead last weekend. It's going to be like, well, yeah, that's, I think that's what actually made Oysterhead quite an accomplishment is the fact that they still pulled it off and like the energy of, and the presence of those three, we talked about this last week, but those three guys on stage, you know, was enough to like, cause when I heard the audio, I was like, yeah. We, okay here, we, we okay here guys or what 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 well they're pros right i mean they've been in that situation so many times in front of a crowd playing live music i mean uh, you know there would only be a natural ability at, for them at that level to slide into something respectable might not be up to the level that we expect but yeah but you have to you know you have to know how to improvise yeah right it's hard to know how to improvise and because yeah it's just hard man Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so lots to think about there. I um changing gears a little bit for a couple of weeks. You've been ask, asking me to listen to the Minutemen album. Oh, uh, you asked, right? So I thought it would be cool. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I brought up, I think London Calling a couple of weeks ago, which made you say, hey, you, you should, you should really check this out. As much as that, I listened to that one episode where they were comparing Fish to the Minutemen and uh, oh, right. what were the other bands? Yolo Tango. Yellow, Yolo Tango and uh, the other Hard- hardcore, the hardcore band. I forget. That's okay. <laughs> Are you struggling to remember? Yeah, just keep talking. It'll come to me. When okay. I forget. <laughs> it's like a really intense, like really struggling hard. It's right there. It's right there. It's right, there. <laughs> right on the tip of your tongue, eh? Um, I, yeah, I listened to it. Really good. Like really good. I, I uh, kind of reminded me of London Calling in a sense. A, its length was what forty three tracks on it or something like that. Mostly short, but in terms of um, like a gallimaufry, if you will, a musical taste from from the band. I uh, it was funny when that Jackass song Corona came on. I was like, oh, and I had heard of the Minutemen briefly, and it's because of that. I remember watching Jackass and, and that credit coming up at the end theme by Minutemen. And uh, yeah, really, really cool. High energy album um, from 84. And I'm really annoyed that I wasn't really aware of it prior, considering how good it is. Dude, it was it was just one of those, it was an outlier because it was it was more punk and hardcore at that time. Yeah. Right? So that sound. It doesn't sound like that now. I don't think, when I think of punk and what punks looked like at, at that time, I would yeah. have never associated that kind of music with that look. You know what I mean? Like the Mohawks and that leather and that, all that stuff that was common. The punk bands that have survived from that era are the ones that I can't think of the name right now. Black Flag, mm-hmm. uh, Bad Brain. So more that sound. Yeah. yeah. Right? Minor Threats, The Misfits, that type of thing. Not the Minutemen were like out to space. What happened with them? The one guy died in a car accident. Oh. The lead singer. Yeah. The, I think it was the lead singer. He, he passed away. And, and yeah, that was it. Ah, that sucks. <laughs> Well, yeah, you gotta, you know, it's, 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 it's like trying to replace one of the, the members of Fish. You just can't do it. I get that. Right. Which is why John Mayer playing with Dead and Company is incredible because that's just incredible. Not that he's replaced Jerry Garcia, but it's an acceptable substitute that still creates awesome music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are they, are they touring? Like, do they have shows coming up? Yes, yeah. they do. Hmm. Yes, they do. Interesting. Interesting. And do they live stream anything? Like, can you go on and, and watch it and buy a show? I think so. 
Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't love it. You know, I. Sorry, that's not that's not true. The Grateful Dead for me is always Jerry Garcia. It'll always be. If I can get tickets to go see the Dead and Company, I am in, and I'm super pumped. But uh, I would rather I would rather watch Fish any day, and spend my money there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I guess that. Well, you saw them in Chicago, 2019, right? Yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah, not tw- it was 2019. Yeah, it was just before we went to see Fish in Toronto. That's you right. the previous weekend. Was right. it good? It was incredible. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Really, Field is such a such a cool place to see a show. Yeah. Like, dude, you're playing Wrigley Field. Yeah. In 2019, like that, that's an accomplishment. There's not many bands that can pull that off anymore these days. Yeah, it's true. Right? It's like, true. if you get if you get bands to show up to a theater, if you get fans to show up to a theater or to a larger club or venue, you're doing awesome as a musician, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let alone all these big guys that we talk about all the time. It's true. It's true, right? Most musicians never get that far, right? They and times change, man. The market's very different. Yeah. It's very different. And it's going to be really interesting to see like what happens now when, when it opens back up, you know, like it sounds like the States is pretty much open, but like up here, it's really restricted still. Yeah. Although restrictions are getting lifted end of this week, at least where we live. Um, they could do 50% capacity in indoor entertainment facilities starting soon. So maybe for the fall, that might mean we'll start to see things get booked locally in the next year. Normal. We'll see, but people are booking right which is nice it's nice to see venues are like allowing you know tickets to be sold yeah it's good getting there getting there i think by the end of the year we'll be we'll be rocking and rolling um <clears throat> i think we'll leave the uh alex winter zappa thing for next week i'll give you a chance to watch it um Long? 23 minutes like oh, watching okay. a tv show yeah it's really really good fishman interviews Alex Winter and uh, Mike Nichols, the director of the Zappa documentary. Alex Winter, if you don't know, is Bill from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, yeah, he's quite the prolific director. He's quite the prolific documentarian, dude. He's got, uh, he did Zappa. He did one called uh, Showbiz Kids about the child abuse uh, with the Corys. He was in Lost Boys with Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, and he's got an HBO documentary about the abuse of uh, children in uh, Hollywood from the 80s. He's done stuff on uh, blockchain, um, the Panama Papers. Like he's got some really interesting documentaries. So uh, Fishman interviews him after a screening of it back in October. And you know, big of a fan of Zappa Fishman was. So to see him in that, like interviewing and asking the questions was great. It was really, really cool. And some really good insight into that documentary. So you would love it. You should, um, you should listen to if you can if you can listen to it and people shit on it all the time and i, don't, I just don't get it um you should listen to fishman do like his Aaron pat show okay. okay the amount of musical information stored in this man's brain i don't think there's anything else up there but music to be honest with you seriously like and i don't mean like he's an idiot and other things i just mean it's unbelievable it's unbelievable what a how much of it he knows and how much how much of it he understands and it's just it's just interesting to listen to him you know like and the stuff that he plays everything he plays like literally everything from like you know cattle decapitation to like obscure you know miles davis pre-bebop stuff wait so cattle decapitation is the name of a band yeah wow guess what, guess what kind of music they sing <laughs> It's, I mean, with a name like that, what else, what else would you be? I mean, if, if you're if you're playing like Mamas on the Papa style, except it's not a barking dog. It's not. Rah, 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 it's more like. Bleh, bleh. 
Yeah. I think I've told you, I used to work with a guy who was in a band and he's a singer of a band like that. And um, we had a colleague who had passed away from cancer and uh, he had written a song about him and he invited me in to listen to this song. He goes, Adam, you know, the song I wrote about Jeremy, he really made a big impact on my life. And I was like, cool, let me listen to this Hear song. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he starts to play. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah totally uh the band i'll give them a shout out their band is called aura or auras a-u-r-a-s they're canadian band i guess their drummer is known as being amazing for that kind of music you gotta be man yeah yeah like an octopus is playing sometimes the band hit about 150,000 likes on a fail army video of this guy i know who's a singer he went to lean in to sing the crowd and fell right into the crowd fell off the stage and fell right in somebody was recording it and posted it and it went kind of viral about five six years ago so great guy anyway yeah speaking of which rochelle sent me one yesterday there's a band playing uh lagrange by zz top mm-hmm. and uh you know like the the part of the the start it's the the he's hitting the metal part of the drums okay so the drummer gets this idea he's gonna climb up onto this like railing backstage and like play it like up on the railing and then he turns around to face the audience and he falls like (laughs) into the drums the drums go everywhere it was awesome yeah yeah (laughs) that's so funny i mean yeah it reminds me of do you remember when we saw when we went to see guar yeah Alexis on fire open for them and there were nobodies at the time and that lead singer was a nut climbing on top of the speaker stack and then jumping trying to jump into the crowd like just crazy moshing at its best we were up in the balcony watching it all go down it's theater man that was I think I still think that's the only show I've left where my ears were ringing at the end of it I remember taking the cab back to from the venue to where we had parked to yeah. go home and being in the cab driving through the city and my ears were like holy shit yeah Guar. That's, back we, that's back when we actually could we had that pitch left in our hearing yeah when i tell when i meet a metalhead and i tell them that i saw guar they look at me on like a whole different like what <laughs> right yeah Dude, yeah not only, not only did you see guar you saw guar with odor odorous urungus uh, he, he passed he passed away oh really yeah he overdosed Oh no. 56, man. I I remember about that show, you were such a fan uh, that these guys, so for anyone that doesn't know Guar, they dress up in costumes and they have all theatrical stage presence and these big goblin type things. There's a whole backstory to who they are. They're basically aliens from another planet, right? Isn't that the whole? Yeah. And uh, these guys come out before Guar takes the stage, these guys come out to do sound check. And meanwhile, it's them. It's the guys in Guar doing their own sound check not in costume and the crowd doesn't even know like they weren't reacting like these are the guys that we're all here to see no applause no holy shit that's so and so you knew and you were like amazed by it and then and i remember thinking wow this is pretty neat that nobody's really getting what's going on here these are the real musicians tuning their own instruments setting it up and then an hour later they come out with their guar and they're spraying fake blood and jismo globin all over the crowd you know <laughs> i uh, i bought so they released like a book like a big one, like the, they're like making of. It's actually a really cool story of like DIY in music, yeah. right? Because they, they, uh, they got started, they were all uh, students at the University of Virginia. Back when like Virginia was like super ghetto, like don't go to Virginia, especially this part of Virginia. They ended up, I think, renting or squatting as students. They were squatting in a space where like the art kids were squatting. Yep. There was just enough people there to like get something going. Yeah, 
It's like, yeah. When did they start? Late 80s? Yeah. No, mid 80s. Mid to early 80s, I think. Mid to early 80s. Yeah. I think the first album was... 84, Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, Richmond's a rough town. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Richmond, Virginia, when Richmond was... Richmond's a rough town, a rough, if, I, if I'm correct, if I'm right, it's rough now, let alone, like, back in the 80s when, like, you know, downtown was, like, boarded up places and stuff like that. Hmm. Following the death of frontman and lead singer Dave Brockie in 2014, the group has continued without any of its founding members. Right. Wow. Yeah, they just change. It's just a thing that lives on, eh? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. That's the whole thing that's going on in the world that very few people are aware of. That's like the whole economic thing supporting those guys to live. It's wow, fascinating. It's amazing. And that's what I'm telling you. I think it's I think it's something that, you know, if you were to like look into it and like start you it would you just think that it would be well, it's even cooler and more amazing by the fact, and similar to Fish, that they built that stuff before the age of information and the internet and the ability for things to spread at a much faster rate. They did it in a much more organic fashion, word of mouth, working hard. You know, I, I wonder what we're going to see with that in upcoming bands down the road. I think in a way it was easier in some way. You know, oh. yeah. So you, okay, so let's, this is a Fish podcast, not a Guar podcast, but you take like Fish you know, so you had a, you have this environment where there's more, you know, bars per capita than you know what to do with. So people are playing live music and because there's no other bullshit to do in like this remote town, you know, in, in the Northeastern America, people go to see live music. Mm -hmm. So you have an audience that's starting to build. Okay. Right. And they caught the coattails of, you know, they understood it seemed like they understood the dead. It seemed like the vision, at least from Trey, was very clear on what he wanted from the beginning. Yeah. Right. So you're you're playing, you know, you're playing, they're playing these venues, not just, and it, I don't know, man, I'm assuming here, but it seems like they chose Nectars because they could play there, but also because they could play what they wanted at least some of the time. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Right. So now you have people that are coming and they're like, hey, I checked out this band. And then I just happened to come back again and they were doing something different. And I don't know, man, they played this one song that got all crazy. It sounded pretty awesome. I'm going to go check them back. I'm going to go check them out again. Let's go. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I think, you know, we, similar to Zappa coming back to that, I forget the name of the venue that his band was able to In play. Europe. A lot of these great bands, they bring it back to, they had the opportunity to basically be a resident to allow them to play often and to build an audience. And that's, again, bringing it back to Dave Matthews, that's very, that's very true of them. A couple clubs that they were consistently at, where they actually met their future manager, who's now Fish's manager, owns Red Light Management, Corin Capshaw. It's all kind of connected that way, but they had that opportunity to play eight days a week at a venue and gain, and gain an audience and get their music chops. You know, it's very similar to a comic trying to break it out. They got to hit the clubs, they got to play. They, you know, they, they have to perform. You know, if you want to be a comic, go out and tell jokes. You want to be a band, go out and play shows. And let's see, I think, I think, you know, cause I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at, I'm looking at my band, right? Yeah. For example. So we're like guys in our forties. We all have like kids and gigs and, and, and other stuff. Right. So it's not only is it hard to get together, it's hard to practice, mm -hmm. right? There's other things in the way. I think where social media might be good leverage is to instead, I mean, you pretty much have a platform to play every night of the week. Yeah. Right. Like you can just turn it on and play and run the risk of sounding like crap and nobody paying attention, but nobody wants to do that. Right. The, the problem, the way that I see it is that, is that social media 
it's too curated, man. Everybody wants, like, yeah, I, I watch a lot of guitar YouTubers, right? It's like, well, you know, the guys that are more honest, they're like, well, this took me like, you know, 20 takes to get. Mm-hmm. When you're live in front of an audience, Trey makes mistakes all the time. Mm-hmm. That's just the nature of being a musician. You fuck up, like you're playing complicated music. It's okay to fuck up. Yeah. I think the, the pressure to make it all sound good is where we're really losing. You know, you have to just be okay with like, hey, we're going to do this and it's going to sound the way that it sounds and the cameras are on. And I think that's how you have to go about leveraging that technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost kind of what, kind of bringing it back to stand-up comedy. That's what comics do. Exactly. They, they go on the road, they work out their material, they work out their act, people see them, they see what works, they see what doesn't. And then when they're finally ready and they feel they have it pretty much perfected, they record their special, you know? And uh, we don't see all of the bad sets and all of the stuff leading up to that. We see the end product, but they're working in the background versus Fish is working it out. That's it. Well, that was really, that was the part of that when, uh, when I went back and listened to that podcast, that was the part that I found, you know, when Jeff Holdsworth was still in the band, Mm -hmm. right? From what everybody was saying was like, Jeff was kind of like the player and Trey was still trying to like figure it out and get his chops. Right. Mm -hmm. So it took almost like, you know, a decision on Trey's part to be like, yo, no, 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 I can, I can do this. I can be the leader and then getting the chops behind that. Yeah. But you got to get to that point, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting stuff. I'm always amazed what we end up talking about. Like I have what's on my menu and I got some topics and where we go. I love it. It's kind of like fish in that regard. You got a song, you start, you do the structure and then we jam from there, right? It's, 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 a nice, it's nice to have a place and to have a conversation with like, I don't know, man, like who else am I going to talk about this stuff with? Who else cares? You know, everyone's already gone. It's just me and you. Nobody will ever listen to this audio fucking ever. We can say anything. I can put, give up my credit card information right now and say, go nuts. Yeah. Nobody ever would. That's funny. But that's okay. Yeah. All good. All right, man. Wow, we tried a lot. That's good. Yeah. yeah, have a good week, buddy. All right, man. You too. 15 okay. days. It'll be eight days next time we talk. Awesome. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> have a good week. Okay, see ya. Bye. You've been listening to Ticket to Game Hedge. In addition to wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and of course, TicketToGameHinge.com, where you can grab a free chapter of the book, How to Get Your Friends Into Fish. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep sharing in the groove.